Hello, hello, you're listening to Lovecast Pedantry, our weekly podcast on all things Lovecraft Country. This week we are breaking down episode 5, Strange Case, which asks and answers one very important question. Have you ever wondered why you never see Clark Kent and Superman in the same room at the same time? (laughs) This was... Like, I keep thinking this series can't outdo itself, and then they go into a body horror episode that just completely blows my mind. Um, But I thought that given how the stories of this episode were so distinctively broken down, that instead of going at it chronologically, I thought we'll attack it by way of character, since there were three distinct stories. There's like Montreux's story, uh, Tick and Letty's story, and then Ruby's story. I thought we saved Ruby's story till the end because that is just so fucking juicy. There were two other stories. I just thought it was Ruby's story. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, more like uh, what are our characters up to this week? Um, yeah. So I thought we'd start off with Atticus and Letty because I guess they were most by the side in this episode, right? Yeah. Um, they were just kind of caught up trying to interpret the pages since they found out that Yahima was dead. Um, and that happens right at the opening of the episode. Yeah, I think maybe that's where you start, right? Because the ending of last episode essentially throws, well, it literally throws Atticus into a loop and he sort of opens a can of a of Wopas on his own father Oof. at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Ooh, that was that was hard to watch, dude. I have to say. Yeah. And it's really nice the way it's really subtle the way they hid his like head above like from behind a couch. You can only see uh, Montrose's legs. So yeah. you couldn't see exactly how fucking to town that your tick was going on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 this is an interesting point because, um, so in the uh, interview that we did with Jonathan Majors, one of the other journalists had asked a question about um, the character, and he had gone off on this long exposition about what the character means but he dropped a little hint saying he was like oh you guys have seen the first five episodes right and he goes oh you've met Atticus later in the season you'll meet Tick and so I don't know what he meant by that Um, and so that's going to be interesting to see because from that opening scene we see that he has a lot of his father's rage in him which kind of scares the shit out of Letty Mm. but he also says it himself right he's also that's something that he's afraid of because he says it comes out it came out during the war something that he didn't think he had in him yeah um so yeah i don't know that was that was that was surprising that was a surprising way to open the episode i, I mean knowing what happened at the end of last week last episode and just to see uh, Atticus just sort of go at it to his father was just... The other thing oof. is that he's not wrong. <laughs> no, no, he's not. Completely. No, no, you're right. Like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. That is righteous, powerful anger that like, Atti- you know, Montrose murdered and he knows straight away. Like he doesn't explain it. Like yeah. Eddie doesn't yes. realize it's a later. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. oh no, he murdered her. That's why I'm beating the hell out of him because that's just yeah. like reprehensible. Yeah. And, and, and it's great because Letty can't fathom that he would have killed her. That's why she yeah. still thinks, oh, he just let her go. And then... When she, when yeah. it finally dawns upon her, there's that whole, you know, this is evil. It is the devil's tools and it's corrupting all of us, right? And she's like, yeah. that was, I thought, a really great bit. But what I liked about, what I liked most about this, like, focus on their relationship was how kind of real it was in the sense that it's, you, you kind of drill down on Letty and Tick getting together. You kind of see mm. how they're coping with each other's shortcomings, how she's handling this side of him, this rage, hidden secret side of him. Uh, and it's done in a really kind of, there's no fanfare about it. 
which I which I think is really powerful writing because there are those small moments between them throughout this episode that are quite um, important in developing their relationship and characters. Like he says himself that like this is special, right? And yes. I'm not conflicted over that anymore, and that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So just a small little thing. I want to come back to what you said about like Letty going to this is evil and it's corrupting. Yeah. What what that I think that is an interesting thing and whether it's going to be key to the series because Montrose has always been an ass yeah. by the sounds of yeah. things. Yeah. Um, and he, and like they they delve into we'll get to his section later but there's like they delve into reasons for that and it's because of in you know repression and guilt and weird all sorts of psychological problems that he would take, you know, longer than a podcast to resolve for him. But like that jump to this is evil. Like, is that a thread that could be something? Is can you use these tools to actually do good, good, good. or are they yeah. inherently bad? Like, that's a question that we we don't know because we don't know much about how magic exists yet. We only have what the white racist gatekeepers have told us about it. When when Atticus says that, right? When he kind of counters that by going, "No, no, no, I'm trying to use this for good." It's kind of just. Mm. I, I just figured it was just metaphor for the system, right? On how everyone is like, well, you know, once you're part of the system, you can use it to do some good. Yeah. We see that play in contrast when we get the Ruby story. Mm. But there's also that interesting conversation, that interesting statement from. I mean, from Letty's point of view, is that even if you try to do good, is this thing. You know, like Ian said, inherently bad that regardless of what you think, what good you're doing is actually going to be bad for a lot of people anyway. It'll corrupt you, right? Power corrupts, right? And when you got and magic powers corrupt magically. Magically. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, but but that was the extent of the uh, Tick Lady story. It was them kind of pouring over pages and trying to uh, crack an algorithm and code uh, yeah. a cipher um, until the very end when he actually mm. cracks something, which they kind of yes. do. Yeah. So because I've been watching these twice, once before we podcast and once right. way ago when we got them, I'm watching the second time now. Mm. Was that him seeing that his ring, he assumed they were his initials on the ring? Yes. And was that at the end him realizing that's not what they were? He'd made a mistake. Oh, I thought he just cracked more alphabets and then... Yeah, because I was wondering that because because it was Letty who he only had... The, he was going off the ring and I don't know where he got the idea that those were his um, initials. Um, but yeah. Letty points out, well, we have protection because we saw the protection thing, which I can't remember where that was from, but right. she, I have it to my notes. So she said, that, well, we have the words of protection, so we know what those letters are. And so he, yeah. I went back and it's yeah, HBO are not giving us any favors with regards to like seeing exactly what he's looking at, but he does go back to where the ASF is, the Atticus Samson Freeman, and he's kind of going back and forth. And that's when he freaks out because he's like saying something, and you can't see what it is. And then he calls up um, Gia. And it's like, how did you know? And it's like, it says die. So I'm wondering if that was what was inside the ring. And that's what caused the black corruption that I called months ago <laughs> from the ring during the ceremony. And it might not be to kill him, but it was the kid. It was for um, Titus. No, I cannot remember the father's name. So maybe it's, a, it's, maybe it's like a... It's like a dirty ring that no matter who wears it will get corrupted or will Maybe. die. No, but like, wasn't that the if that's the if that's the ring Christina gave him? That's the ring that caused the her father to die. I thought, did Christina say in the first episode? Uh, sorry, in the second episode, did Christina say in the second episode that this is your ring and that's why he assumed the initials were his? I can't remember. I looked back at it, but that was a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. No, no. Mm. So, yeah. So, I mean, next... So, that's it, that's, it, that's why I got he was so shook because it was like, oh, shit. And that's what Jia says in the first episode when he calls her. Yeah, so there must... Was that what she said? Is she it? Said she said something... No, she said something along... You shouldn't have come back 
or you would die or something like that because there was some kind of she said premonition you, would, you shouldn't right? have come back you yeah. went home you shouldn't have because yeah. all my notes are in one file hey there we go <laughs> but also i mean that could be a vague thing but i reckon there's got to be something more he said he had a weird relationship over there there's got to be something more that she says that ties into maybe there's other words he's seen that like will come in maybe yeah also maybe that's what that's why tick is freaking out at yes. the end of this episode because maybe she said you're gonna die if you go back right that is vague enough but i was assuming that maybe she said something else like you're gonna die by the mm. piano by the white woman or some shit like Magic that or a woman with white hair or something yeah. it sounds like there was something very specific that kind of freaked him out so yeah. or maybe a tattoo mm. that she made him get that looks like the letter for fuck you in the book of adam i don't know he goes how did you know and then he goes what are you mm. and that's how mm. the episode ends because she hangs up and I'm just like, oh, okay. So now maybe he's thinking back uh, to his time in Korea and thinking that she might be some kind of magical creature too. Hmm. Maybe. If not, why? Not yeah. who are you? It's just a what are you? Yeah. And then you so hear heavy breathing and she hangs up. Episode six. I mean, we're always, we're always complaining about these episodes, but it could be a left-hand episode where we get the, the South Korea flashback, right? Oh, that would be great. <laughs> would it though? I don't know. I don't know. Ooh, I, mean, I think cool. after, and we'll get to Ruby. I think Ruby's story felt like enough of a digression that you want to come back a little bit before you do that. I think you keep Korea till eight or nine. Mm. <laughs> you get you get the war themed episode now. Yeah. Exactly. In the trenches. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was pretty much um, Ticks and Letty's story. However, I have to say that every time the baseball bat makes an appearance, I'm like, woo, where are they going with that? And mm. here you see her standing in the basement with the baseball bat, ready to take him out if she has to. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that's just a signifier of how freaked out she was. That bat is for racists who are trying to kill you and possible boyfriends who might also try to kill you. Who might black out it's in the rage. Bad time exactly. Yeah, like if, if, the, if the bat is out, yeah. then you've lost the argument, even if you win the argument take. You, you need to back the fuck down and get the fuck away. Right. Which which brings us very nicely to Montrose's story, uh, which I thought was this for me was the most beautiful bit of the episode, just because after that scene with him and Letty um, and Atticus, Montrose doesn't say anything throughout this episode. He is perfectly silent. Mm. And yet everything that happens, his encounter with Sammy, um, the whole ballroom scene, we learn so much about him through that silence and also in case you guys are wondering that awesome song at the end was moses swandy uh and it was called lonely world so you're welcome that's the one i couldn't find i got all the other ones off the lyrics but i couldn't i couldn't understand the lyrics on that one to google search that was an absolutely beautiful song and that scene looked absolutely just sumptuous yeah because that, montrose goes to sam's house right and is like engages in some very angry uh relations shall we say like it's not it was very passionless sex passionless but like violent I don't know passionless like, it was, yeah it was it was like yeah. an exorcism, exorcism was, right yes he yes. was exercised like that's yeah his, yeah that's his really bad way of dealing with things and kind of you know it's that kind of it's an addiction thing which is you know he's not he's trying to hold it back but it's not an addiction it's who he is kind of thing yeah um and like the next mm. scene after that, he's just sitting there. And again, you're talking about like he doesn't say anything. He's also, Michael K. Williams is so amazing. His face is covered mostly in makeup because he's beaten up. And you still get all that raw nerveness from yeah. him. Like one of his eyes is sealed shut. And you yeah. still... Yeah. yeah. And uh, with that scene where he's dancing, it's like he's finally tr- free, right? 
Oh yeah, I mean, dude, he's got his arm stretched out like Jesus. It is yeah. he's like floating across <laughs> the crowd. It's yeah. beautiful. And uh, yeah. and yeah, cuz that that uh, that opening scene is like when we learn that, you know, they haven't even kissed yet. And then uh yeah. one of Sammy's friends um says later, "Ah, oh, they haven't even locked lips yet." And mm. you know, they finally kiss in that ballroom scene. I guess in this moment of growth, catharsis, and just coming into yourself. And I thought all of that was really, really smart because, yeah, Montrose just has everyone talking around him. And he mm. just sits there with this look mm. of like, I don't know, detachment? Mm. Yeah. Which which I thought was a really cool way to deal with the fact that he just cold-blooded murdered someone in the last episode. Yeah, it's, 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 he's, have, he's going through PTSD. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't, you, you don't, ju- on, despite what the white folk in this show would like you to th- assume, you don't just kill someone and walk away from it. It leaves scars on you. And like, he did it in a very, yeah. you know, it's someone he had talked to. It was someone he was ostensibly helping. So that's going to like, that'll dwell on you. Also because Montrose isn't a bad guy. Mm. So he's not an evil person in that sense. I mean, he, he genuinely believes he was doing it for the right reason. Just like when Atticus was like, he's, he probably did it to try and save me or something. But I think that's I think those yeah. those lines are very specific because that's why Atticus is like, well, we're only just going to protect mine. And in a way, that's all that the Braithwaites are doing as well. They're yeah. just protecting theirs to an extreme degree and they just keep ramping it up to an unholy degree. And, you know, that's that way of protecting you and yours, that thought kind of leads you down a path of, well, screw everyone else. So, yeah. Attic- Montrose isn't like quite at that point, but he has done an awful lot of heinous crap. That, you know, everyone would have been way better if he'd shared the book or, you know, they had talked to him and stuff. It's like he's got this. It's cowardice in a way, but it's like he, you know, he doesn't he wants to push it away. He wants to shut it down. He doesn't want to wear a mask when he goes into Walmart. It's just I want to push it away from what's going on. And it's like it's not a way of dealing with the world that works for very long. Yeah. And I think that's kind of his that's that's been his his MO from essentially day one. Right. Like. When when uh, when Atticus and Letty and the uncle sort of save him, he goes, "What are you doing here, boy?" You yeah. know, he's like, "I could have done this. I, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna handle this. This is my deal. Get away." You know, and that's it's a very it's a very I guess in some ways it's a very man thing to do. It's a very male thing to to want to take on that crap that that responsibility to sort of protect others but then like you said ian when does that where do you draw the line of protecting my own before you cross into the sort of attacking everybody else when you say it goes back to the beginning i think it even goes back for goes back to the beginning of atticus because like he is a closeted gay man and there is an element of trying to live up to that masculine standard which is why he's like no i don't need anybody's help and Everything I'm yeah. in charge. I take what's going on here. Like at some point, maybe we won't get a flashback to Korea, but we haven't. Like, what happened with Letty's mom? With uh, sorry, Tick's mom. We don't know. We never, we never really talk about her, right? We don't so, know. Yeah. You know the their whole relationship, and like even then, Uncle George's hints about what went. You know that that he might not be Montrose's. There's two things that essentially point to the fact that Atticus may not be Montrose's child, right? Because during the in episode two when they were all having their fantasy sequence in the separate rooms um uncle george meets a woman that do we do we know if that's tick's mom or do we know if, if it's just yeah a, because it wasn't hippolyta from, pa- from his yeah, past and he, he, he wasn't he, hippolyta, said he knew yeah. she was dead though right what did he 
Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think that was the mom yes. until because it was later that episode or later in the next episode. He said like he, he might not be yours, right? That was later the next episode. <sighs> I have to. Wait, no, do I have to? I have to episode. start another red string and chalk pinboard. You know, I, <laughs> don't I key every week for these different yeah. shows and TV sh- and movies to put this stuff together? You've got different colored strings like red, yellow, blue. <laughs> You've also got a nice clean wall behind you there, Ian, for... Uh, for yeah, right, I'll put my board. Lovecraft Country uh, psycho board right above my bed where I can think about it all night long. Yeah, <laughs> all night long. What else you got to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no, I mean, I kept wondering after watching that last bit as, you know, you know, Montrose achieved some kind of psychological liberation. Uh, poor Yahima, like if this had happened an episode sooner, she might still be alive. Yeah. Well, we don't know, right? We don't know if, I mean... We don't know if this will come back to sort of bite Montrose's ass in episode six because this, we're assuming he's found liberation, but but maybe he's just found comfort for that one night and just doubles down on it in episode six, maybe. Yeah. You know? And also, this is America in the 1950s, so... Mm. what does that even exactly. mean, right? Yeah. But I mean, it could be that this was his yeah. recovering from Rock Bottom, which was murdering another person as well. Like, yeah. and his, mm. his rock bottom was just like giving in to what he sees I think what he sees as his like debased urges that he shouldn't be you know giving into or he tries to restrain so like hit rock bottom and then he became himself as it were I don't know if you can get arrested for killing a woman that's like a thousand years old mm. uh, because she may not be real mm. <laughs> yeah she was, she was so, I mean I mean, when he how, when he murdered her maybe he, she turned back into a mummy and just turned into dust who can tell <laughs> Yeah, there was no body. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, he wouldn't have left there it no there. Body, I mean, he's yeah. not that much of an asshole. <laughs> that was Ma- Montrose's arc. And so all... I guess I guess we got three individual arcs in this episode that I think will end up paying off later down the line because we got to see these characters kind of develop separately from the squad, if you will. Mm. Um, which yeah. brings us to... The craziest of all shits. Ruby, 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 Ruby. Yeah. And of course, the title of the episode, I guess, Strange Case in reference to Jekyll and Hyde. Um, uh, well, not just with Ruby. I think Jekyll and Hyde mean, could apply to anyone. Atticus losing his shit, Montrose, anyone. Yeah. Mm. But Ruby wakes up and she's in the body of Dell. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy lady that got shoveled by Letty in episode two. Yeah. I mean, was this a specific case of Friends of the Director or something that like she turned into a specific lady she's never met from an episode earlier in the show? <laughs> okay, so you say that, but I was wondering, wait, is Dell then always a vessel for someone who drinks the potion? So who was Dell before? Yeah, I well, I don't know. I, I didn't get that. Mm. Uh, I didn't get that. I got that like maybe that was the first level of Ruby's. William guided her with his magic to that point, whereas like William can look like Christina, like they they look relatively similar. At some point, maybe Ruby could also change into something she wants to be. I just figured since in this TV show nothing is by accident, <laughs> mm. that to have mm. you know Jamie Newman who plays Dell as White Ruby, I was like, wait, there must be more to this. Who was Dell? It's like when you don't pay money for skins in Fortnite, you end up with generic Dell, default Dell. <laughs> <laughs> default yeah. white person, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was like, what? I was like, Dell, what's Dell doing in this? What's going on? And then like, hang on, wait, what? And then yeah. she says, I'm Ruby Baptiste. And like, what? <laughs> yeah. But that scene was great, right? She goes, she manages, she manages to work her way back to the South Side. Well, that was what, that's what I wasn't sure. Was she, so that she woke up in William's bed because that's what it was later, yeah. right? Because her place isn't that nice. But she's not yes. staying with, Letty anymore. No. We don't know where she's staying. 
No, we don't know where she's staying because she moved out of the house when she found out about the money situation. Um, and then she, right. from William's place slash Christina's place, she goes back to the south side and she loses the shit. And then when the cops show up, I thought that was just an awesome bit where, you know, she doesn't even raise her voice. She's just like, officer. And the guy immediately stops. Yeah. And like, that is the power mm. of the voice of a white woman in peril. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot in this episode that's still strikingly uh, yeah. timely, right? When, yeah, the, when William and Ruby are having a conversation and, 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 and she was, and she's recounting that, that moment and she go and he goes, you know, it's, it's nice to, I think he, I think, I think Ruby goes, it's nice to be seen as a human. Yes. And that's, it's just that, that idea of your. Cause she says, um, they weren't scared of me. They were scared for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. A white person yeah. gets to be crazy yeah. in the street. And, whereas a black lady, a big tall black lady gets to be like, you're a crazy yes. person. And you see the cops just turn up and straight away, just like assault. What do you do to a boy? For, yeah. That boy is, he's assault with a deadly popcorn box. It's yeah. like, Straight on that yes. guy. It's yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. did you do? And like, he didn't do it. Did what you did molest her? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Straight up. I mean, my my first thought that crossed my mind was, is this the is this is that boy Emmett yeah. Till, right? Because was that Bobo? We were just talking I, about yeah, in the previous I, I, episode. I don't, I don't know. So, yeah. I can't. Either I can't, way, he survived. Yeah, unlike yeah. the the real life Emmett Till. Yes. So it's just a very sort of, I think, aside from the magic stuff and aside from the absolutely gross body horror stuff so throughout good. this episode um just i think that's sort of a really weighty point of conversation for 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 ruby to just be able to essentially you know become safe and become a white woman right i think i love ruby as a character most of all because she is truly complex right because she is one of those uh pull yes. yourself up by your bootstraps irrespective of whether you have the yeah. ability to or not. And the way she treats yeah. Tamara um, when she finds out yes. she has no education. Um, it's nice that Misha Green and the writers have kind of included this element into, she's not just a strong black woman who knows what she wants. She's also on that other side of the device that a lot of people have issues with, which is someone who goes, well, you know, if I can study and have five degrees and learn all of this stuff, you should be able yeah. to. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a really cool, complex character to bring in and then make you feel sympathetic to. And it also explains perfectly why she would take the potion. It For her, it wasn't just about, mm. oh, I had this 15 minutes of walking down the street as a white person, really enjoyed it. So I'm going to continue doing it. No, it's far more complex than that. Right. Even though it's never spelled out. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's essentially validation for all Correct. the work that she's done and she's getting getting the sort of the fruits of all that labor as opposed to just being ignored as another it's so good. But I mean, she also gets free white per white people ice cream that's great I love that I was like she who got the fuck free white people ice cream, ice cream? <laughs> um, did you guys notice I mean there's a there's a, there's a ton of locust imagery and yes. references in this episode yeah uh, really? the news she's, report uh, at the beginning I mean I know so the, the news report, report. there's also um Sam, when he's getting ready for their big party night, is talking about this dance is called the Locust something or other. Yes. So yes. there's a mention of yeah, the yeah. migratory yeah. locusts. Yeah. Yeah. That that TV thing about it's talking about these locusts and they have uh, five stages. There's like when Ruby's setting first time's always the the you know the first time you try the potion you know doctors recommend you have a friend available to cut you out of your own skin. Yeah. Um. 
when he says that it's like there's five molting stages um i lost count halfway through because i just get caught up in what's going on with the show both times i watched it but i'm thinking you know what you said about her being more complex i think there i think she does probably molt like five times and that's probably right something like that the yeah. first the, yeah so it's probably a five times and each time like that first time she's horrified by it right yeah like as it goes through she slowly yes. like she's already aware of it but she's kind of establishing for the white viewers like um intersectional feminism racism classism yeah. thing it's like the, the first time around it's just like oh well i got to be white and you said it's not that it's just that but then she has to see the the benefits of like class and also see the limitations mm. even as a white that would even run into the limitations as a white woman of that time and that mm. you know crappy manager guy and then at the end to realize it it, it kind of ties into i'm skipping ahead a bit but kind of ties into the conversation with william where he's talking about like the true currency of magic is to do whatever the fuck you want you think bigger woman yeah right yeah not you know that it's like you're not thinking big enough of what you're doing you can you don't why rule the department store lingerie section when you can rule the world? Correct, correct, yeah. And write the injustice, and write the injustice. So I was wondering if those five things, like I, I need a, sociolo- a sociology professor to say, like, oh yes, each, each adventure she ticked off these, like, I don't even have the words for them. Mm. But there's like these areas of like, even when she, like, you know, when she took the the crew, the white. Um, racist in the city girls to, to the south side uh, to the south to side it's like yeah she couldn't enjoy it like she was still like nah this is even before she saw the manager getting handsy she's still like god these fucking white people <laughs> not realizing she's also pro- she's also white at that time no but let's think she realizes and she's like this isn't solving anything these guys are jerks and idiots they're not even mm. using their power to their own benefit yeah but also you know it was interesting how quickly that change occurred for ruby and it was only in the basement when she's talking to her fellow colleagues and they're like, oh, what do you think of Tamara? And, you know, is she qualified? And they're like, uh, well, of course not. She's a Negro. And as soon as they mention, as soon as she mentions that word, you can see Ruby's face get triggered. And then uh, one of her colleagues is like, well, at least I didn't use the less savory version of that word. Right. Mm. And, Ooh, yeah. and yeah. you can see like the acting on both from both Dell and Ruby is tremendous because you can see the way their face changes at those microaggressions and macroaggressions that happen throughout this episode. Yeah, that's not a microaggression, dude. Yeah. It's really it's really quite stellar and stunning the acting on both their parts and how they convey yeah. that. Like just even even the look on her face when she finds out that Tamara isn't as qualified as she is and she's mm-hmm. like your hands yeah. are a little ashy. I'm like, oh, it's so bitchy. <laughs> Which gives her the little moisturizer thing, right? Yeah, but it's also weird because she's essentially doing microaggressions to tomorrow. Correct, because right? in the previous episode, they have a very similar conversation when she's talking about how you got this job, etc. But when, when Dell yeah. says it, or r- rather when Hilary Davenport says it, it feels offensive. Yeah. Even though the conversation was exactly mm. the same. And the way the creators yeah. shot that and wrote that is brilliant. Well, that's the whole thing of metamorphosis. She has to go through those stages of being a white asshole to get to the other side, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because cause, cause further on, I skipped through it the second time. So further on, it's like that time she's kind of like you're ashy. But the time after that, then she kind of is 
slightly coming to her aid like there's a point where you have to be a credit to your race she's kind of like trying to big tamara up yeah but even then she's doing the bill cosby thing right where she's like oh i'm but better she's doing as a white yeah, person but she's doing it as a white person right you know uh i'm better i've made it so you need to be a credit to your race too but she's doing as a black person inside a white person like she's trying to give she's like i've got power now she's she forgets what skin she's in i think and is like i'm trying to give you a little bit of help yeah. and then at the end it's just like oh wait yeah. i Rules are for squares. I can just like totally dominate this awful manager guy and leave him like up shit creek real easy. That yeah, was awful that. though. Yeah, it's fantastic. No, he deserved it, but also No, no, he deserved <laughs> it. I just meant I just meant the how every episode uh so far has this one moment of overwhelming violence that mm. really gets you, yeah. that is jarring. But it it's satisfying though yeah no no it's it's, it's completely <laughs> justified but at the and same yeah, time and i think I, I wasn't thinking of it earlier but it popped now i remembered that scene it's like that comes into again where she realizes what she's doing in that scene yes she needs hillary davenport to get him the honey to the trap but like most of what she does in that scene she's like that's her coming into her power as they say right like she's been through all these different levels of metamorphosis, including the one where I'm skipping over because I forgot my skip my mind again, where she has to go undercover as herself. Yes. Oh, actually, about that scene, does the police chief have a black body? I was. It just looks like ask. it. Some weird shit's going on there, man. <laughs> yeah, and does yeah. that have to do with is he like suffering from albinism and passing off as white, or was he also Ooh. was he also a part of Hiram's research? Fuck knows. I I I was leaning towards the Hiram right. you know thing. Yeah, I didn't Yeah, yeah cuz that's Oof. the that's the that's like 16 layers of the onion down, right? Like William talks about my experiments with metamorphosis and I talked to Hiram who was working on gateways but they weren't scientific, they were magical. Yes. But then did he say yeah. they 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 digressed in their studies or Christ. Well, he says that's <laughs> where he got the potion from, right? Or did After, they work on it together? Mm, yes. Because Hiram, Hiram, he did. I was under the impression that they worked on it together and then Ruby was like, there be magic in the world? What? Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of another, again, a cool conversation to have where they're just referring to it as magic. But it could be that, you know, these lodges are, while not at war, they're not exactly friendly with each other. So it could be a solution that they've come to, to a similar solution they've come to the same problem, which is that... But I don't even... how. How, I mean, he's clearly taking that shirt off and showing it. To the, his lieutenants know what's going on, unless it's an entirely a black lodge who didn't make it past the first level of metamorphosis. Oh, that could be it too. And they're just like hiding that that fact in in plain sight. Like it's, I don't know. It's just no clue. And they shoot it specifically, so it's really hard to see on that scene. Yeah. Also, um, there's a dead guy in the closet. The dead, the, the dead there's always a, give up. The, no, he guy. says the dead always give up their secrets, right? I don't know because if he was dead or dying. Um, when 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 Ruby's having the tirade against Tamara the next morning, doesn't she say dying guy with his half, tongue cut off? Half dead guy. Half, half dead, dead guy dead. with his tongue yeah, cut off, just, right? <laughs> yeah, with his tongue <laughs> she cut just off. Has, yeah. like, I haven't had my coffee. He's like, you don't want to end up like a half dead guy in a closet talking with your tongue cut out. It's like, that's an oddly specific thing to say. <laughs> but I thought he said the dead always give up their secrets. Oh, like the always. dead always do. Right. 
Mr. Lowe was paid. La, la, la. Yeah, there was also the Mr. Lowe. Who was Mr. Lowe? Mr. Defection. They also, subtitles are fantastic when you're watching this sometimes because there's those discussions in the lodge. Like they're getting defections between lodges. So hold on, hold on, hold yep. your hats on for Lovecraft uh, Country Season 2 or the spin off show, Lodge War. Now on the History Channel. <laughs> and, and we still don't know what they're up to at all. No. We know she has to plant yeah. something in the office, and that's about yeah. it. Yeah. I presume it's a magical listening device or something, or it, magical it, 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 listening device, or it's it's got to be something like that, right? Or it's it's something that will like undo the protections around that office that allow you to scry it. I don't know. Is the scrying a thing in this? We haven't seen anyone mm. scry yet, have we? No. No one's got a what is it from Lord of the Rings? A palantir? Is that what they're called for? The, 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 the teleportation things, yeah. Or the the, the, the teleportation, the, the little balls, no, the, the TVs, the, the, the big, round, the yeah, the, the, the round screen balls. TVs, yeah. Uh, but there's just, yeah, there's just so much going on in that. It's like, why? I don't know what this, what's this all about? Oh, no, wait, sorry. I forgot one thing. The subtitles also. So uh, Defections and also the Winthrop Observatory. Oh. They're talking about, I think it's when they're in, either sitting around or whether they're going in for the Chief's changes to their top. Could also be to, to Tats. This could also be an awesome crossover with like a Yakuza genre thing. Um, but mm. they talk about, we'll, we'll, we've told someone to leave the Winthrop observatory or we'll we'll tell it's it's unsafe so people won't go in there and then we'll let um i've forgotten her name blonde lady christina we'll let christina christina <laughs> we'll let christina go there with the orrery herself so bring the orrery to us so you know there's the winthrop house there's the, we don't even know who the actual winthrops were right it wasn't Hiram winthrop right no it wasn't yeah so no. Again, I think that's 16 layers of onion down where the, who the Winthrops were and how they run through all this thing with the bright whites and... Oh. But yeah, so I, that, that's... The orrery must lead to that, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Or lead somewhere mm. that you get the book pages that you can go to the observatory to, I don't know, open a secret cave that leads to season two. <laughs> Correct. Um, so, and then, and, then, and then we finally get back to the house uh, where we have yet another reveal that Christina is William is Christina is William. Holy shit. And which answers the question of Bruce Wayne and Batman never being in the same place at the same time. And we're like, what? Yeah. And of course, you know, it just doubles down yeah. the whole Jekyll and Hyde metaphor and the whole, oh, Locus, it's metamorphosis. hard being a woman, mm. even if you're white. So I need to parade around as a dude. There's that going on. It's. It's great, but also just made doubly great by the fact of Ruby's reaction was like, you are William the whole fucking time? Yeah. <laughs> they just cut away beautifully at that because watching it the second time, I was like, I'd forgotten. I was like, oh yeah, because this is this is a big argument going to, oh no, we're not getting that. We're just nope. getting Christina going like, yoinks. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, so, so, okay. What is your wait? I want to know your theory on this, though. What is your what is your? Do you think that Christina and William are separate individuals, or is it just Christina all along? Because it's Christina all along. But William has such yeah. a developed backstory in this episode. Because he has to. Because he. So that's all he, made when up. He, when he rocks up yeah. in like the lodge of his dad, it's just like, oh, this is my nephew. No problem. But. Uh, it's not so simple and also all the magic users be just like you know do the fry thing from Futurama is like is that Christine or is that William you know so and I presume mm. that's maybe that's why she needs that stone in there hey there we go maybe the stone in there because oh, the, then they won't be able to see through whatever glamour she right. puts on like they're pretty obvious it's it's her they can, I'm sure they can see through her glamour they, 
You never see Lancaster and William, right? Oh, not William. You see, William, Christina goes into the house when she's being tailed, comes out and beats those guys up as William. Right. So, but the, but the, but yes. the William skin falls off very clearly. Correct, so it does. She busts out of it, right? Which is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. So when she was telling, you're talking about when she's telling Ruby the backstory about William getting shot in the back and all that kind of stuff. Oh, she was talking figuratively. <laughs> yeah, it just felt, it just felt because even with the Dell connection, that maybe they were separate individuals whose bodies have been stolen or something. No, but like, even in the earlier episodes, you never saw William and Christina nope, together. Never. I think they made the point at one point of saying that she can't go into the, I can't go to the ceremony because I'm a woman and here's your ring. And then William, William, yeah. I can't remember, was William, William at the ceremony? Watson. He was at the dinner, but he was at the ceremony, right? He wasn't at yeah. the ceremony, no. Because the maybe all those yeah. magic users would have known, would have seen straight through it. It only works against the uh, muggles. Right. Mm. right, Caleb would have known, right? Probably. Well, Caleb probably knew anyway. Yeah. He probably taught her how to do it. Yeah. Just so she could hang around. And he's like, I'm sick and tired of relaying crap to you all the time. Just come along to the meeting dressed as a man. <laughs> so the one thing we don't know um, at the end of this episode is what Ruby's decision will be, right? Is she going to continue taking the potion? Is she going to mm. help Christina slash William out on whatever mission they have? And which path? I think that was the most stressful bit of the episode of just what would Ruby do? Because seeing her go back and forth between black and white... Um, was a little mm. nerve-wracking uh, in a good yeah. way. Especially when she left the bottle behind in the manager's office yeah. and you're like, don't... Uh, yeah, but the, the they sort of work around how she gets through all that, right? Because that, that, that moment that you mentioned, Ian, about her leaving the bottle behind, she essentially goes into the, into the back elevator and starts changing into a naked black woman with drenched in blood, right? And how does she... It's sort of a little easy, I wouldn't say easy storytelling because it's, so, it's already so complicated. It's a clothes store. It's just not something. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but she's still walking around drenched in blood, Go right? Blood. So, um, so it's that, yeah, I don't know. I think I like, I like that she has that superpower, that she has that ability to swap between and sees the value of both and sees which one she can be at a particular moment for what purpose, right? Well, it's going to be interesting to see how they play with that. Yeah, also because you, you can kind of see her wanting to stick with one as opposed to the other because it's yeah. better for life, I guess, maybe. I don't know. So but Do you know, I yeah, still I come know. back to that conversation I brought up earlier, which was about um, William says to or Christina, one of them says, they both say, um, the pronouns of this fucker are really complicated. Um, they just say like, you know, I guess Ruby got interrupted again. It's like that's what you don't understand. It, the, I, it it's an invitation to do whatever the fuck you want. The cur that that's the currency of magic. Yeah, this is the thing that in, in magic yeah. stories that aren't like the prestige, like the the, the thing of a uh, of a classic magic story. Even Harry J.K. Rowling stole it for Harry Potter is the act of initiation. Yeah. You know, this is one part of the, it's kind of like the, the hero's journey for magic with the K users. You know, the initiation, you have to be initiated into it. And whether you take on the mysteries or reject them and, you know, become mm. a seeker of enlightenment or a crazy white person or whatever is up to that. So I think that this is like, this is the test. This is the entry exam to become part of Christina's new all-lady um, softball team in Lodge. Um, Ocean's yeah. 8. Potions 8. Oh, oh! <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't see that coming. Oh, but like you know, because she asks for one favor. She, William asks 
Ruby for one favor and it wasn't to screw over Tick and Letty. No. It was to do something else. So Because it feels like the police chief is an enemy on a higher scale. Yeah, he's worse than Christina. Yeah. Like Christina, she just wants her already, you know, she went around it the wrong way, maybe, you know, she's grown up in a weird worm birthing cow family, you know. She's not yeah. accustomed. She has she's never played hide and seek. She doesn't know how that works, so you know, excuses were made or mistakes were made, I guess. But I mean, it, it is interesting to see whether is that now like, you know, ah, you know, two, always two there are, the master and the apprentice. Yeah. Is she going to take Ruby on as an apprentice? And it's, mm. it will be interesting to see whether that is like, I'm taking this on to screw up these other people because I really take, I really want that already and Tick and Letty are annoying me. Or is it that like, no, I'm taking you on because you're here. And also I heard your soul call out to me across a thousand states or some stuff. Which would also make for a really interesting conflict slash dynamic between ruby and her sister now as if they needed yes, more conflict exactly but now but now but now is ruby a traitor to her people right i mean that kind of narrative yeah. plays into their conflict even more yeah uh remind me has either christine has christina met ruby before not in person yeah no not in person right only William okay. has. Yeah, yeah because okay. when she was at the Lancaster's place, Chief Lancaster's place, she's like, where is that bitch? And then she's right there. And yeah. then like, they have a, it, it, she doesn't have a conversation with someone like she knows them. And then she's like, oh, William told you that? When we was talking about Ruby being interrupted, right? Yeah, because I was wondering when going way back to episode three, four, when William goes and picks picks up Ruby. Oh, in the bar. You know, when, when we... In the bar, yeah. So how did they know to target Ruby? What did he say when he beat up those cops? He's like, I have a date or something, right? He said something along those lines. Yes. So did they already know about Ruby being Letty's sister? Oh, I think they knew. I think they always knew because they seem to know everything about Atticus and Montrose and Letty and Ruby. Right. And watching the house and stuff like that, you would know that like, well, obviously, oh, Letitia has a sister. Okay, I'll find out who that is and this will be my end to the house. The fact that they're not doing that straight away is like, She's playing a long game, or is she not actually all that mm. all the way? Does she, she wants to gently just, woo yeah. her into the dark side, right? Yeah. Yeah, they have cookies. I mean, I don't mm. know whether it's that or everyone's complicated all the time. It's great. There's a uh, something else which I looked up, which because I thought it was really really cool, was when Ruby is walking down the street as a white woman for the first time. There's that recitation, and that was from mm. a play by Entozake Shange called "For Colored yeah. Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Is Enough." And yeah, I just thought that piece of prose slash poetry was yeah. really beautiful. And also Cardi B's Money was in there as well, which I put down just Cardi B the first time I watched it because it sounded like her. I, I, I'm not a Cardi B aficionado. There's some whores in this house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, uh, so I was reading, I, before we go, I wanted to ask you guys, right? So I was reading this review of Antebellum and it was a very... Um, angry review if you will because the reviewer was just tired of uh, pretty much the same things we were of black torture porn mm. and also mm. uh, right. constantly seeing uh, black misery on screen as opposed to black joy um, now the bulk of the review right. was about antebellum but this reviewer did mention this was in Vulture I think and the reviewer did mention that um, she found Lovecraft Country to be overwrought and it was a throwaway line because she was comparing it to a bunch of other 
I guess, series and movies currently on that feature African-American stories. And I don't know. I, 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 I completely disagree with that notion because if one thing Lovecraft Country isn't, it's overwrought in the sense that, yes, it's elaborate, but I don't find it to be overly complicated. I think it uses those layers to build a very complex story as opposed to uh, being elaborate for the sake of it. Well, did they mean over? Yeah. Did they mean overall in the sense of like the antebellum is like it's you know it's too much black people suffering? Oh, maybe I thought they meant overall as in overly complicated and unnecessarily complicated. Because I yeah, I I look I just I just did a Google search def, def, define overall and two sort of definitions came up right. One is in a state of nervous excitement or anxiety, okay. and the second was. Too elaborate or complicated. In oh, okay, I never, I never thought of this. And so it's both. <laughs> so you both are correct. <laughs> you, you guys are both you correct. We just forget about it. I'll just meant. email her and be like, "What did you, What did you mean when you said Lovecraft Country?" Which definition was of overwrought? Yeah, I just want to. I just. I just want to say, I, jumping in on on your definition of overwrought, Uma, I think this is sort of like, you know, this is the sort of the same thing with Tenet. It's complicated. There's a lot of layers. But you don't need to have to go through them no. all to yeah. enjoy it. With with Lovecraft, you can just watch it without knowing that 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 piece of prose was from a play about this and about that, or or how there are all these histories about this and that. You don't need to. You can just sort of sit through it and enjoy the fifty five minutes, fifty six minutes of body horror or horror horror or whatever it is. Yeah. I had a five minute conversation with someone about Tenet over the weekend that I didn't think you could talk about it that less. <laughs> But he was like, yeah, it was pretty all right, you know? It was good. I enjoyed it, you know? It was like overly complicated. They thought it was a little overcomplicated, but they enjoyed the action. I was like, okay, there's other people here. I won't go into it. We'll leave it at that. Well, let's move on. There's yeah. something in it no, for everyone, that's exactly, right? Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think what, comparing this antebellum is in a weird way, um, I think there is, I can't, there is something I've read a while ago about, you know, I think there was a, a couple of months ago, there was an article about we don't need to see any, we, whether or not we, there's always, there's two sides to every coin as well as the edge. There's, we get, we've got enough of slave, you know, um, stories. If that's all we see, it's really bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, if you got to do really good ones or you got to mm. have a new point or else do something else. And it was uh, an L, uh, L magazine interview with uh, Wumi Wasaku as well, who plays Ruby, who's English. Right. Mm. Which I didn't realize. She won BAFTAs and was in all sorts of things. She played the, the the guy the, the the kid who got killed Stephen Lawrence she played the mother of him in a in a documentary apparently style thing but after everything she's talking about and you know she's talking about you know having been silent in her own dealing with racism and certain things and it's time to now she has a bit of a platform to work on it at the end of it she says like what would she want to do in the future and she said it, the answer is written on her chest I've always had a lot of drama a lot of grief and a lot of pain Bozaku says now I wouldn't mind exploring the ups and downs and the ins and outs of black joy and love and it's I guess it's a point where people critics in particular black critics in America might say all we get to see are stories of oppression Mm. and fighting against it and all that kind of stuff where is the black Scott Pilgrim yeah where is the black Goonies Mm. yeah exactly yeah and you know I think this this episode the suffering is they have a majority black class cast so the suffering is going to happen within that's drama Exactly, and plus it's also the session the of yeah. the yeah. show. So there's right? going to be some you, suffering between that, but it's not um, egregious. It's not kind of it's not antebellum. It's not yeah. torture porn. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. antebellum was misery throughout for those ninety minutes, right? As opposed to 
um, even in Lovecraft Country, where there are moments of genuine joyous interactions between George and mm. his nephew, between Hippolyta and Diana. There are all of those lovely little moments. And so it's, I, I find it to be well balanced on that front. Yeah. Ticking tick Lady hanging out in the bathtub. Correct. Where it looks like she's gonna she look look like she's gonna wipe away a tear, but then she realized she had suds all over her hands and just I'll just pat him on the wrist because otherwise he'll be just crying some more into <laughs> my back. I I also wanna say that unlike Antebellum, this Lovecraft Country's depiction of black people who are not uh, who are smarter, right? Who are smart, who are re- who read books, who are educated, is a lot more nuance is a lot less uh, obvious than say in antebellum right where the janelle monet character is this very sort of accomplished very very aggressively i'm smart i'm arguing for women's rights for black women's so rights there's literally she's on cnn this, talking about it and there's literally a shot of all her degrees and masters and phds on the wall yeah, yeah. right yeah in the yeah. background yeah exactly yeah you also see a shot you also see scenes of her sort of talking to other women about how we need to take back our place and la 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 whereas in this one the conversations about them knowing characters from the Count of Monte Cristo the 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 the, the, the books that they talk about being able to sit down just and just naturally. decode a cipher and yeah. figure out how yeah. it works and it happens it's naturally natural. yeah. as opposed to just I don't see yeah, Atticus's I'm degrees on any wall person. exactly no um, yeah the, that that the, yeah that was the, the She's a little. The lady says, "Like oh, it's like the little orphan Annie decoder ring." Was that like the? Was it, what was the thing? Was it from a Christmas story? Was it the code decoder ring and that right? Yes, yes. I just assumed it was like a, a serial, serial box yes, thing. But I no, in a Christmas story, I think he was always looking to get the decoder ring, right? Yeah. It was. Oh, it was like it. his code oh, as yes. a kid, and when he got it and he decoded the message, it was like buy more Ovaltine, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought of. I that's mean, right. Yeah, yeah, these yeah. are references that, like, I'm like, oh, that's a very cool reference. But I think of it as to an '80s movie, not a 1940s radio serial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another tremendous episode of Lovecraft Country, I think. Uh, we'll see what happens next week. Uh, we predict it might be a war episode. Who knows? Um, yeah. Got to tie in to what happens mm. on the telephone at the end of this episode. Well, we're into the back four, though, right? This is the la- the things will need to be marching towards some kind of. Is it ten? I think ten, it's 10 episodes. Right? Uh, I think it's ten. Yeah, ten. Okay. Yeah. And also, full disclosure, we are now outside of our screeners, so all the secrets that we've been holding back <laughs> on are gone. Ta-da! We have no more mysteries. Our magic has been, our glamour has been stripped away. We're in it with the rest of you now. Yeah. So now expect even more, because last, last couple of episodes, like, but you hadn't seen this episode last week, Bahir. So I hadn't seen this episode, so. We would have sounded like yeah. real assholes talking about the William Christina thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think yes, there's more to I it. it. <laughs> even yeah. though it was in my notes yeah. in episode one or two. Um <laughs> we would have felt like assholes, but now we can get rampant on that speculation. And, but I think they need to like this is five, so you're setting up Ruby. They need to start, you know, galloping towards some kind of resolution for the season or climax. I think, I think next episode is going to be Hippolyta's episode because we haven't seen her. And in you've a while. referenced that the the book has a, a thing on that, right, with her and the Aurory, her Aurory adventure. It does. Yeah, yeah. Send us your Lovecraft Country theories. You can email us on podcast at goggler.my or get in touch on any of our social media feeds. That's gogglermy. You can also log on to the website, goggler.my, where you can find podcasts uh, of all our previous episodes of Lovecast, whatever we're calling it this week. Uh, Don't forget, you can also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, I don't know, wherever you find your podcast, right? Um, Just go out and subscribe to this because, hey, look, we're full of the mad bands. 
You've been listening to another episode of Lovecast Pedantry. Uma Ian and Bahir signing out.